Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 32 of the Showbound Podcast presented by Axel Watches. I'm your host, Michael Raskin, here alongside Ethan Cardwell. Cards, what's going on with you, man? We had a big week, actually. Yeah, no, we, we had a lot of stuff going on. I mean, just let's update everyone on the golf match because I'm sure everyone's dying here. So we we played pretty good, honestly. Rask, he had some good holes. He had some bad holes. Great I, was, I came out flying, though. Like, first two holes, you guys were like, you're nasty at golf. Like I, well, I don't know if I'd say I said you were nasty, but you they, hit two. You good guys shots. were both saying it. I was, I was, uh, I can't remember. You hit some good shots in the first two holes. You can't putt to save your life, which is a problem. Um, I've never but, putt on good greens before. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun, and we did what we needed to do in the business side of things too. So there is a uh, code that we might want to start pumping, right, Ross? Can you tell them? Yeah, let's announce it. So we are now partnering up with flight golf golfflight.com flight is f-l-y-t-e by the way so golfflight.com and you can use the showbound promo code at checkout you get 15 percent off and like flight's pretty sick we we believe in their brand because their whole thing is like they want to make golf cheap and accessible for everyone like guys like me who aren't nasty on like cards who like we i don't want to spend 110 dollars on a shirt so you spend 30 and now you can get 15 percent off on that so anyway showbound promo code golfflight.com it went well um, definitely definitely go check it out the gear is unreal like they have balls they have gloves hats whatever you need cheap affordable if oh, you're getting into golf buy it i for, we have to mention too now that this sponsorship deal is in place like we're getting the these golf videos with perfetti and byfield going oh yeah well i gotta talk to q but fets is in we're so we are making golf videos of our own with flight golf as a partner um, we're super excited. Hopefully we can get it going in the next few weeks here. So stay tuned for that. That's definitely going to be a big thing. We finally um, got some good con, like good non-podcast content coming. Like this is going to be sick. I'm fired up for it. Dude, we're going to be looking nasty too. Flight's going to deck us out. I'm going to have my axle watch on little manscape cologne, maybe, uh, shave the chest hair, shave, shave the face. So just be looking like a rock star out there. So oh, yeah. uh, just, just a good look for the camera, but, uh, let's, let's talk some hockey rascal. Okay, so I mean, we're really good at predicting um, series, and uh, you know, I think I was quoted as saying Winnipeg sweeps Montreal, and what what happened, guys? I think they did, right? Oh yeah, no, think, no, no, oh, oh, no, no! You're right. No, Montreal swept Winnipeg. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that that one. Uh, so we got all three series wrong in the North Division, um, which makes me think that you know Montreal is going to play the winner of Colorado and Vegas, and. I have to say, I'm hoping. I, I'm saying on the podcast, Montreal is going to win, which means just so just we know what we know what that means. Yeah. Okay. We're not gonna we're not gonna reference it, but honestly, Colorado uh, Vegas great series. It looked like Colorado was just going to take this series and run with it. Vegas is clawing back. Big game tonight, I think. Right. Yeah, tonight it's yeah. basically like the Cup final, man. Like, these are the, in my opinion, the best two teams right now. Like it's sick to watch hands down. And I think a lot of people thought the Bruins were going to take the Isles pretty easily, but the Isles are putting up a sick fight up three, two now. And that's going to be a huge tilt in long Island game six. Um, I don't know. I don't even want to make picks anymore, man. We're a joke. Uh, We're getting a riff too. I get so many texts. I was like, you guys are horrible at this. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm saying we're done making picks. All I'm gonna say is I had, we both had Colorado to win the cup. That's the only pick that matters. So anybody yeah. who's chirping us, if Colorado wins, they can uh, they can just yeah. shut it because um, we should maybe start pick like we shouldn't be doing the same picks. Maybe you say one, and I say the other, so at least we get it, one of us gets it right. You know? 
exactly one of us will look like a hero i guess at that, at um, that point. yeah anyway wow i want to i want to mention our guest that we have uh just the best guy like he's a known good guy max jones you'll find out why later on in the episode but max jones anaheim ducks um awesome dude and it was a great interview with him like honestly one of our better ones for sure like i put him up there with the best among the best interviews we've had it was really entertaining you got to hear a lot about his time in london and obviously now it was his first year as like a solidified nhl player but he's been in the league for three years so it was cool hearing about his road and uh I'm excited to get the, that one over to you guys. But before we do, I just want to mention that Father's Day is just around the corner and you probably need a gift for a hairy dad. Make your dad proud this year and get him and yourself the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right. The Lawnmower 4.0. And you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code SHOWBOUND at manscaped.com. And like Cardi and I said, we're going to be rocking the Manscaped when we go out for these golf videos. They've sent us all the products. We've used all of them now. And the, the Lawnmower 4.0, like we talked about, that's sick. I actually, I finally used it. It's incredible. I want to stop you too, because remember when I was talking about our new little kit that we got and I said I was going to give it a rating this week after using it. It's an 11 out of 10. Like it hands down. It's, it's just legit. They keep outdoing themselves. And uh, I don't know where they can go from here. There's not much better it can get. So <laughs> if, if you want to be at the top of your game and looking sharp, Manscaped has all the tools to do that. Even nose trimmers. Like they, they're keeping our bush and our nose clean. <laughs> I've been using the nose trimmer too. I know I don't have like long nose hairs, but you might as well keep them as short as possible. Um, yeah, it's just, it's classy. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. I'm going to try that kit, the ultra smooth package after the show. And I'll let you know how it goes. But anyway, Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below the waist grooming. And, and they just launched their lawnmower 4.0. Imagine surprising your dad with a sleek, well-designed and optimized body hair trimmer that says your balls will thank you on the box. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. Thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. You might ask, how is this lawnmower 4.0 different from other trimmers? Well, this upgraded trimmer includes a multi-function on-off switch that can engage a travel lock. This is a great feature if your father or yourself do a lot of traveling, especially if you're an NHL player like Max Jones or something, you're always on the road and do a lot of traveling, you get the travel lock. Um, it also gives you the ability to turn the 4,000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shape. You can now shave your balls in the dark. Definitely would recommend. The Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim through additional guard lengths with sizes 1 to 4. The new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery length last longer. Yeah, you heard that right. Wireless charging ball trimmers are a real thing now. Have you ever seen a nose bush sticking out of your dad's nose? Well, the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer is the best nose hair trimmer on the market and the perfect gift for your pops. Oh my God, my words. They also have other amazing products like cologne, crop mop, ball wipes, crop reviver, ball toner, and crop, pre crop preserver ball deodorant. You'll also appreciate that Manscaped products are cruelty-free, paraben-free, dye-free, and vegan. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code SHOWBOUND at manscaped.com. Get your dad a gift you know they will use. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Just use code SHOWBOUND. This year, show your original home some love with Manscaped. Oh, okay, that's all-time my worst like my worst ad read ever. I mean, listeners, you won't know. Like, I'll, I'll leave in a few of the screw-ups, but... I'll edit out most of them. I restarted like three times though. Sorry, cards. Yeah, it was a, it was a tough one for sure. But uh, with that being said, let's just let's just gas it and let's get to the interview. Here we go. All right, we're pleased to be joined by Jonesy here on the pod this week. Uh, welcome. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me, boys. 
Yeah, super excited to have you on. So just like kind of what's going on. Obviously, you guys didn't make the playoff this year. So what are you up to these days? Nothing, man. Just, I mean, uh, after the season went to, well, I guess not nothing. I went to Hawaii and then um, went to Maui there with a couple of guys on the team. Came back home for like a week and then went back uh, west to Colorado for a wedding. So my cousin's wedding. So I just got back from there and then just got back in the gym yesterday. So it's been pretty busy. Yeah, nice little break and then get back in the swing of things. You uh, you ride some waves over there in Hawaii? You a surfer? No, I, I, I've been – since I got drafted at Anaheim, man, I've been out there so many times, like just around a lot of surfers and stuff, and I had so many opportunities to, but I never have. And I want it, like, really bad. I, I heard it's, like, really hard, though, and it could be dangerous. Oh, yeah. So, like, got to yeah. be careful of that. Have you ever surfed behind a boat? Yeah, wake surfing. Yeah, I like yeah. that. I, okay, I do so, like that. So you might be able to pull it off then. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. I could try those, those Hawaii waves are monsters, though. It's like a whole other <laughs> thing over there. Yeah, it's oh, I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. Anyway, we should probably talk a little bit about hockey. So uh, I just want to mention you're from Michigan, and you played your minor hockey uh, in Detroit, bounced around a few of those Detroit teams. I, I'm just curious, from, from like a young age, were you always one of the better players? Like you kind of knew you maybe had a shot at making the NHL? Um, I don't know. I mean, I always played up a year. So I always played with uh, the 97 age group and I don't know. I just, I kind of feel like it was never like uh, not in my mindset to like, not, you know, playing in the NHL. I always thought when I was younger, I was, I always wanted to, and always wanted to. And like each year I just, you know, it just kind of felt like it was who I wanted to be. So I just kept grinding to try to be that person. Um, I mean, other than that, I mean, I don't really think I ever felt like, I was really better than anyone else. Um, I mean, I just, I, you know, I just worked hard and each and every day it was, I mean, I had my dad behind the bench for a couple of years too. So he really, you know, was on my ass a bit, but uh, that helped a lot. But um, other than that, no, like I never really thought I was, you know, better than most of the guys or anything. I just felt like, uh, I don't know. I just kind of had that mindset where I was just, is what I wanted to do. Okay. Yeah. Let, let me ask you, um, cause I know like, it's hard to kind of talk about yourself and say that you're better than all that and whatever. So someone watching you in minor hockey, would they say that you're better than the other people? Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, it, it was, um, yeah, it was, it was like that, I guess. I mean, my 18 year, like I, my draft year, like the year I got drafted to London and the year I signed and went to USA, I was playing on the U18 Honeybake team and it always felt like there was just like I had 264 penalty minutes that year and I don't even know how many games, but I, I got in fights and 10 minute misconducts all the time. And then I like come up to Canada, play those teams. And it was like, it just felt like a lot of the scouts were there to what we had actually two other guys though, too. We had uh, Ben Gleason and then a goalie who was also up for the draft that year. So they're there to watch like them two also and me. And then like, dude, every game I would get like fights, like nonstop twos tens like just marking up the the sheet like it was crazy but i mean other than that i i don't know i mean yeah i i guess you could say that that's that's actually insane man 260 in a minor hockey like well you 18 i guess like sort of minor hockey but that's insane so guys at goon and puts up points what more can you ask for a eh, rask Legit. <laughs> but no then we want to talk about nttp a little bit. So you played there for your first year of junior after coming out of that U18 program. And um, 
we've heard a lot of stuff like mixed ways about the how the NTT NTDP went for the like a few of our guests. But uh, what was your experience like? It's tough, man. It's like you, you got to really know what you're getting into when you go there. It's like you know, it's it's not easy, man. Like you're going to school like a normal kid, and you're going to the rink. You're getting home at you know five thirty six. You got to help make dinner or eat, you know, eat dinner fixed, you know, clean dinner or whatever, um, up afterwards. And then it's like, you're kind of tucked away in your room doing homework for a lot of the time. And then you're doing it all over, you know, again, the next day through the week and then on weekends you play. So it's a very taxing schedule. So, I mean, I don't know. It just depends if, uh, who you got around you while you're there and, and how you can handle it. Um, it's very hard and frustrating. So, um, I struggled with it. Um, but I mean, I, I grinded it out, got through it and, um, I did enjoy a lot of the guys on the team and that's what makes it the whole thing. Yeah. It's obviously a pretty special bond. Like you're playing with the same guys, like, well, most cases, two years, obviously not for you, but, and, and that was the same thing with a few of my SAG teammates. Like they just said, like, there was like military training and stuff. And like, guys were just like being pushed to the brink every day. So like, they just, they just had to back out and like go to the O. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's it's a very hard. Uh, I mean, we had a like um, a cross training coach, if you would say. He was kind of like uh, he would we would train with him. He was like a boxing guy, and we would he would like kind of train us like we were in the military. Like we would do if one thing was wrong, like your hands were in your pockets or something. He'd be like drop down, give me you know, and he would do this thing where it'd be like three or four push ups, which isn't a lot but he does it every like three, four minutes, like throughout the whole hour and hour and a half, whatever, how long you're doing it. And it's like, Oh, you're putting your hands on your hips. Like you're tired. All right. Drop down. Give me two or, you know, your hands in your pockets, drop down, give me another two. And then it's like constant thing. If someone's like breathing too heavy or their hands are on their knees, like it's, he's just picking stuff off and you never want to be that guy. And it would be like, sometimes if someone had their hands in their pocket, he would like make everyone carry them on their shoulders, like around the building. So like, like it was crazy, man. Like it, and it was, um, that was just the cross training guy though. But I mean, our normal like weight training was normal, but like that was the cross training. It was like military. Man. That's, that's so intense. Did, did anybody ever give it back to the guy and just like, no, f- that. like I'm not doing this. Um, so when I got called up <laughs> to the 18s, cause I was on the 17s, I got called up to the 18s and, um, Matthews was there. A couple other guys, Bracco, Fitzgerald, Troy Terry was there actually. And I, when I got there, it was just a huge joke. Like they just like, you know, they were laughing, like shooting shit, doing whatever they wanted. And I was just standing there like in line, you know, like we would do these things. We'd call it like ones, like a jab and two would be like a hook and everyone's kind of doing it. And like guys were just, you know, goofing off. Like a match is like up there, like behind Kirk's back, like dancing and stuff. I was just like, what is going on? It's like, yeah. we're so terrified. It's the 17th, you know, doing all this. But yeah. those it's, guys, tough, it's tough to tell Matthews what to do, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, since day one, right? Yeah, you, when you go up there, you're call up, and you guys are obviously scared of 17s. You don't know what to expect in these 18s. You're just running the guy's show. That's actually hilarious. But mm. were, so were you, I'm not sure, were you committed? And like, when did you know you were like, okay, the program's not for me? obviously I'm going to a good team in London um, with like, we're going to talk about their roster in a little bit that you came to and stuff. So when did you kind of know London was the route? Um, I mean, it was kind of always in the back of my mind, like just knowing like 
they drafted me and um it was the one place i really wanted to get drafted to because if i was going to make that decision to go play in the o, it was london so once that happened i was kind of like you know i'm gonna watch a bit more i'm gonna watch a lot of these games my brother played in the ohl too so i was at a lot of those games in Plymouth when my, my brother played for Plymouth. So I watched like a lot of OHL hockey and then just playing that year in the USHL and just kind of the way it was and the way I felt like my game was, I just felt like I needed a, a the OHL kind of style a little bit more. Um, and then towards the end of that year, I just knew I, that's what I wanted to do. Um, it was this decision that I wanted to make. So it was a tough one to make. Cause I mean, obviously USA is a two-year contract and you got to get, you know, bought out of it. And it uh, kind of burns some bridges, which, you know, I'm kind of rekindling with USA hockey. And I, I think we've done a really good job at maintaining it. Um, uh, a lot of those guys are, are really uh, close to me now. And um, we've, I mean, I played on the world juniors with a lot of those guys. So we're, we're all like good. And then, um, so I think, uh, I think after that, it was just, you know, it was history just signed in London and that was it. Mm-hmm. And you kind of mentioned they're burning bridges with USA and they kind of like maybe hold grudges against some players and Rask, like, I, I don't know if you knew this, but like Bodes, when he came to Saginaw, like it obviously wasn't great for like with him in the program. Like he, they didn't like the fact that he gassed school, even though he finished his two years. And then obviously I think that's why he kind of didn't make the world Jays. And he was, he would kind of talk about that and stuff. But like, like you said, I mean, you got lucky enough to still play world juniors and keep a good relationship with them for maybe who knows world championships or Olympics down the road and stuff like that. But Rascal, I'll let you get into some Londo stuff here. Eh? Yeah. I mean, everyone we posted up for fan questions for you and like everyone's like oh london 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 so i mean some people might forget you're still playing in the nhl now which is a lot cooler than london in my opinion but we'll talk about london for a bit um you go in you step into your first year 52 points in 63 games like you fit right in you did well um so how was the adjustment kind of stepping in for your first year in the o um i don't know i mean it it felt pretty easy i mean obviously i it took me like 12, 13 games or something, maybe even 14 to score my first goal. Like it was tough. I was grinding. And then once that happened, things started to open up, um, floodgates open and it was a lot easier to just focus and play hockey. Um, it's always tough to get that first one. Um, every league I've been in, it's been like that. It's been so hard to get the first one, but, um, I think, uh, just my game, the way I play, it, it just really felt, um, a lot easier to play in the OHL, um, the atmosphere in London too. Uh, oh, yeah. it's so much, it's just so great to, you know, be a part of that, be a part of a, a team like London. Uh, so it was pretty easy to kind of to rotate over. I mean, I, I heard from a lot of my friends who've played against you and stuff that everyone just hates you. Like, how does, how do you feel about that? You probably enjoy that kind of thing. Um, I mean, if it's on the ice, yeah. I mean, I, I like to try to hold myself to a standard that I'm like a pretty nice guy, good guy off the ice. Um, I, I like, you know, if people are nice to me, I'm nice to them. You know, it's, I think I've always been raised that, you know, treat people the way you want to be treated, but you know, when, when you're playing hockey, it's kind of your job. And um, sometimes, you know, we're all hockey players, man. Like it's, it's a very high emotion game and everyone cares so much. I mean, that's why everyone plays it. That's why we play at such a high level. Like you guys included, like it's, it's, it's what we do, man. So um you just get some grudges out there and you go at it. And I think uh, it happened a lot in the OHL <laughs> had to tone it down just a little bit and kind of hone it just kind of the penalty minutes and stuff. And 
that's kind of still playing the edge there. But yeah, the OHL, yeah, a lot of guys didn't like me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rask, man, they, Jonesy had 260 pims in minor hockey. Like how many people could like you when you're just running them and fighting them every shift? Like, <laughs> this guy, he's an animal. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's the guy you want on your team, man. But I mean, speaking about like that London team and all that. So you guys won the OHL championship that year, the Mem Cup as well. And I just want to highlight some, some of the players you played on that team with like Mitch Marner, Matthew Kachuk, Victor Mete, Christian Dvorak, and Rob Thomas, who our listeners know we had him on earlier. So, you, you know, sick, sick team. You guys go win it all. And um, can you just talk about that playoff run? I think, I mean, after the first round, you didn't, you guys didn't lose a game like for the whole thing, right? No, yeah. So our that team was when we were just so good. I mean, like the Marner, Dvorak, Kachuk, that was our first line. They were fantastic, right? But I mean, the big a big part of that team was our third line, like our shutdown line of Owen McDonald, Pikinich, and Yakimovich. They were like during that playoff run in the O, like they were probably just as important, if not more important, than Marner Marner's line, like that line. Like, it was crazy, man. These guys were shutting down, you know, Strom and Debrinket, and it, like it was ridiculous. Like Radish, he was on that uh, Erie team, like, and then they were in the Kitchener series. Yeah, he scored a huge OT goal. Um, I'm pretty sure they had like, I don't know, three, four, something like that, game winners in playoffs, like that line. And um, they get not a lot of credit for that, but I just know like when we always talk, like, you know, uh, all the London guys like on that team, we always talk about just them because they were such a big part. And then, I mean, obviously, every time we had a power play, it was, you know, I don't know where a power play percentage was. It could have been like 90%. It was ridiculous, man. They scored all the time. So, um, but the OHL we did, I got, <laughs> I only played, I think the two, three, maybe four. So yeah, the three games I, I played. Um, and then the fourth one, I got kicked out cause I got suspended for, um, a hit and I got suspended for 12 games. So Ooh. I missed the whole OHL playoffs. I came back actually with, uh, we kept sweeping series. So I got suspended in the first round. And then we swept the second round and swept the third round. And I was just like, man, like, I'm glad we're winning, but like, can we maybe lose one or two so I can get back in here? Like, I want to get back in and start playing again. So I got back in in game three um, in the finals against Niagara. And uh, that whole run was crazy, man. Like, we, it was like a joke. It felt like a joke. We just always knew, like, we had this swagger and confidence that we were going to win. Like, we had this thing in the room where we were just like, all oh, like, just another game we're going to win. Like everyone just starts like knocking on wood. Like the whole room starts knocking on wood and it's just like, it was just a running joke and we never lost the game from then on. Yeah. That was it's completely nuts, insane. Like I actually, I saw that run pretty, pretty closely. Like cards. Marty was the coach in Niagara at that point. Like one, one of our buddies was the coach there and, uh, and I was living in Niagara. So I saw game three and four in Niagara. And I, I remember, I think Owen McDonald had a big OT winner at some point there. Hmm. Um, it was just like, it was nuts, man. And so I'm curious because, like you said, you had uh, – and you weren't even playing for a bit of it, but you have – when you sweep the series, you know, you get some days off and a little bit between rounds to let the other teams catch up. So what's that playoff run like off the ice for you guys? You're just tearing it up, like, all, basically after every series. Yeah, it was it was great, man. Like, the the energy and, like, the, like the vibes in the room were, like – it was unreal. I mean, I was in the room, but I was also every day, like, bag skating just because I had to get back in the lineup once I came back. Cause you know, that was, 
just what it felt like. I was like, all right, 12 games. Yeah, that sucks. But like, I'm probably going to get back the way this is going. So um, I was around the team a lot. And then uh, like, it was just like, our team was so close. So we had so much fun, especially through the whole playoffs and Mem Cup too. Like we had a couple of days off because we swept the round robin. So we go straight to the finals. So we went to Banff, Alberta, like the mountains and stuff. And then we went to Keg and we had like, just got crushed, man. Like we were, we were just all the boys together, like about to play the final game of the season, Mem Cup, and just got crushed in, at the keg. And it, it was, we were, we had the, a ball and it really just sealed the deal on the year. I was like, all right, like we're, we're going to go win this game. Like it doesn't matter what the circumstance is. We're going to go win this game. Like the whole, that whole playoff runs was just crazy. Oh, uh, where, where was it that year? The memory? Uh, Red Deer. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Dude, that's nasty though. Like, cause you just play on a team there and you, well, obviously you sweep the whole OHL. Like, you know, it's over. Like you're going to the member, you can do whatever you want. You guys can play wrong handed and still win at that point with that squad you had and stuff. It's, it's just, a, it's just a debacle for the other teams. You're going into the rank. You're like, okay, like it's done. But after that year, so you win the Memorial cup, you win the OHL in your first year. Um, so you can't top your OHL career much more than that, but you go into, that's your NHL draft year at the same time. This is all going on. So I'm sure maybe when you get that 12 game suspension, that's probably running through your mind. You're like, is this going to hurt my draft status at all? And what was, what was that like for you? Yeah, it was pretty crazy, man. Like I, I had dealt with a lot, like at the combine, um, just with the whole 12 game suspension thing. And then also leaving USA hockey. Those were like the two big things I had met with every single team that had, uh, other than like the three teams that like didn't have a pick in the first round. And I met with every single one of them and they, every single one of them asked me those two questions. Like it was those two, it was about, you know, USA hockey. And then it was about the 12 game suspension. And so I had to literally just say the same answers over and over and over again and keep repeating myself just about like, you know, what happened, what I was thinking, the way I, who I am pretty much. And um, yeah, it was tough because like, you know, a lot of people thought that I was like not a, a good person or something like that because of the way I, play or off the ice I leave USA it seems like I have like this kind of weird you know bad personality and I kind of was almost you know defending myself a lot um but you know that's just kind of the way it is sometimes like in this line of work like you get this image of a hockey player and some people sometimes people kind of put a a label on who you are as a person so I had to kind of grind through the whole combine like that it was crazy Hmm. Yeah, well, you know what? I'll vouch for Jonesy. He's, he's nice enough to come on the podcast. So, <laughs> great guy, great guy for oh, us. Thanks, thanks, boys. Thanks, yeah, thanks. yeah, <laughs> class act. But um, the draft ends up going well for you anyway. First round, twenty fourth overall to the Docks, and uh, so just tell us about the draft. How did it go? Where was it? And uh, just that day for you? Yeah, it was in Buffalo. Um, I spent a lot of time in Buffalo through those three years. I played in. Uh, all American prospects came there, played in, um, or I went to the combine there draft was there. And then I had to play in world juniors. There. So I spent a lot of time in Buffalo, but, um, draft was great. Uh, I mean, it was very nerve wracking, man. Like had a lot of like crazy things happen. I mean, you see the, you know, the cameras come up to each seat and it's like, that's when you know when you're getting taken because the cameras, the cameraman is the first one who knows other than the team. So the cameraman's always comes up and it was like, you know, came up at like 10th overall and it was a uh, uh, Colorado picking and it was Joe sitting right in front of me. And I, we were sitting there and I didn't know if it was going to be me or not. So I had this huge, like adrenaline rush, like I had no idea what was going to happen. And it wasn't me, but 
And then um, before the draft, actually, I had talked to Winnipeg um, and uh, they were literally like minutes before the draft was starting. They pulled me out of my seat, started talking to me and said, you know, so-and-so, so-and-so this, like, blah, 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 this. And I'm just sitting there like, all right, yeah, yeah. And then like, all right, well, you know, you promise us you're, you're a good human being, good person. Like if we trade up to try to get you, like you promise me, like you're, you're a good man. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. So then <laughs> later on in the draft after 10, uh, Winnipeg traded up, um, saw them trade up. And then I was like sitting there like, oh my God, like, is this actually going to happen? Like, did this, is he really just speak this into existence? So I was sitting there like shaking. I'm like, oh my God, is it, is it happening now? And then didn't happen then. Uh, Who'd they, they pick there? I think they took Stanley. Yeah, they oh. took Stanley, Logan Stanley. And then, yeah, just sat there waiting and waiting and waiting and uh, got taken by Anaheim. Yeah, well, I mean, Anaheim got a good person. We'll keep referencing that throughout. Yeah, thanks. Just keep rolling, keep rolling it. <laughs> um, but no, uh, uh, did you have a feeling it could have been Anaheim? Or it kind of seems like you had no idea, really. No clue, man. Like it was, uh, my agent had told me like anywhere from like 10 to like 15. And then once it just kept going and going and going and I was just like, Oh man, like, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going now. Like I have no idea. So I was just waiting like each pick, like I was just like beads of sweat, man, dropping. I'm like, I don't know where I'm going. Like, it's nice to have a little insight, but I had, I had no clue after that. Did, did the thoughts kind of creep in? Like I might slip out of the first. Yeah, a little bit. I was, I was really concerning, man. Like I was, yeah, I was sitting there like, I don't know what's happening. Like, figured maybe it was just a lot of it was the whole 12 game and leaving USA. And then, you know, I was uh, fortunate enough to have Anaheim to, you know, trust in me. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting hearing about this because we have a lot of guys that'll say like, you know, the draft is the best day of their life. But I, I find most of them say they just don't even enjoy it because you're too nervous. Like, I know we had Ryan Strom on last week and he said like, he doesn't even remember know what happened on his draft day. He's happy. He had like the younger brothers to do it so he could enjoy it. it it's fascinating for me. Um, but uh, I, I want to kind of just, before we, we get into where you're at now, like I just want to touch on the rest of your OHL career. And even before you finished in the OHL, you, you managed to uh, get up with the San Diego Gulls in the AHL for a playoff run. So like, mm-hmm. what was that kind of first taste of pro hockey like for you? Uh, it was pretty cool. It was pretty surreal. Um, we had like, down in San Diego, there's a guy like Nate Ginnon. He was uh, playing D. Jeff Schultz was playing D. These guys are playing in the NHL, and they were, you know, down in the minors now. And I used to watch them when I was a kid, so it was pretty surreal for me to go and play with them. And we played against Ontario in the first round. And TJ Hensick was on that team. He used to play for Colorado, and I was a big fan of Colorado growing up. So it's pretty surreal getting to play, like, against those guys and with them. And um, – it was fast, man, like fast paced. Like you can tell right away, there's a big difference. Um, and, uh, I mean, you're just a young rookie again, all over again, you know, you go through the OHL and you earn your status of a veteran and then you redo it, you know, you restart it from square one. So it was pretty interesting, um, that year, all that, um, playoff run. And after that, when we lost, we lost to San Jose in the second round and we ended up getting, uh, a couple of us, me, Mahura, Steele, went up to Anaheim, just a black ace, for their playoff run, and they went to the conference finals in Nashville. So we were just kind of flying on the plane in the back, like just, you know, getting to go to all these cities, like shoot shit, whatnot. Like it was – so that was pretty sick, like that whole time period from uh, uh, flying out to California. Yeah. As a black ace, are you guys 
able or did you like kind of go out? Are you, are you guys like getting hammered on the road and stuff? Or are you just dialed in like, you know, cause you got a bag every morning and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's more, I think black ace is usually, I mean, it, it, it's not really uh, after games. Yeah. There's a little bit more leeway. I mean, just for anyone. Um, but I mean, night before is that's no, like no one does, but um, I'm not sure is like a, the black aces like i don't think I, I don't really think so i guess each guy's different i have no idea okay fair enough Ras, you gotta remember he's a young kid trying to make the team he's not gonna go out and and, and he's a great guy too axel approved guy so he's not, <laughs> yeah. he's not gonna burn his reputation right so yeah, I, i'm just curious no because like you know you're not playing type of thing and it's like you get to when we when i was yeah when i was uh um that year yeah like i i was black ace i knew i wasn't playing i actually almost did though um it would have been crazy. I had, they told me I might, might play. Um, and then they ended up putting in a Cordelis, which I was like thankful for. You know, I was pretty nervous. I was like, I'm not prepared for this at all. So, but I was still young. I was only 19 at the time. So there was, you know, can't enjoy a beer and, uh, or anything. So I was yeah. just going out for, for food and some, some dinners with the other guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like back in London where you're, you can drink at that age. And, and yeah, I just want to finish up like in your OHL career that next year, you, you ended up getting traded to Kingston to go on a run there and your last OHL season. Like, I'm just curious, how did the trade go down today? Did, did they say like, do you want to finish up in London or do you want to kind of go for a run? Did they ask you? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I had a no trade clause, which I mean, a lot of guys do. And I think most, I think most all American players do, but um I, I kind of was at world juniors when this was going on and I had kind of insight of it uh, from my agent. And then I heard there was a deal done with a, you know, a couple of teams that um, wanted me or I, I knew that this was a talks at the start of the year because our team had a tough start, which we shouldn't have because we had a really good team, but we started terrible. And then um, I just knew that there was some, you know, words going around about me getting traded to, certain teams and then world juniors happened and uh just kind of had a call with my agent afterwards and heard about kingston um so i was like yeah like i'm oh yeah i mean i i i don't really want to leave london um i'd rather just you know finish the last whatever games there are i mean i you know won a memorial cup here i I don't really you know i'm not really don't really care to win another one i mean i just kind of want to finish a career in london and then turn pro but and then I talked to uh, Bob, our GM of Anaheim, and he talked to me about it and, and talked to me about, you know, going and making another run for it would be really good as a player um, uh, to keep the competitive spirit and keep that, you know, drive and kind of more like uh, experience in the playoffs and big games. So it kind of changed my whole idea around. I was like, yeah, you know what? Like, you're right. Uh, I think that would be actually really good. So then I just accepted the trade, went to Kingston. I broke my finger like four games in. Um, so I was out until the second round of playoffs. And then uh, we were down 2 nothing too. So I, I came in, we were down 2 nothing in, against Barry. And then we ended up kept coming back and just winning four straight on him. And then we lost to Hamilton in the finals. So, And then after Kingston, or not after Kingston, uh, you just referenced while the Kingston deal was going down, you're at World Jays. And potentially you guys wore the nastiest uniforms ever in USA hockey at that tournament. And that was at, that was at the outdoor game, um, that crazy outdoor game actually between Canada and USA. You had the Bills jerseys going. So what was that game like for you, just in like that one as itself? 
Yeah, it was crazy, man. It's uh, it's one to remember. I mean, it's the energy, the atmosphere, and everything. You're walking out from the tunnel, um, wearing these you know Bills Mafia jerseys. They're sick, you know, and um, it was crazy. Like that whole game though was kind of nuts. Like it felt just like almost too much because of all the snow. Like mm-hmm. we we were just shoveling this puck around the ice, and the bench was like super hot and. Um, then you go out on the ice and it's like really cold. Like I was getting nauseous, you know, breathing in cold air, going back hot air. Like it was, I was getting nauseous. Um, the snow was like melting on my stick. So I couldn't have any like grip on my stick. I'm trying to like, you know, shoot and I can't like my hands slipping. So I'm just sending muffins in on (laughs) harder heart. Like I can't even shoot. So realistically that was how the game went. But, um, when I tell people that I'm like, man, it was, it's unreal. It was crazy. It was so much fun. And, but like as a hockey match, it, it was, uh, it was really tough to play a hockey match out there. Well, yeah. I mean, who cares really about the hockey? You get a sick Insta photo, you get the Jersey and everything. So like, honestly, <laughs> yeah, it's why right. not? Yeah. Take the clout, right? Take the yeah, clout. Exactly. So other than that game, like it's, you guys, you had a good team there. Obviously, a lot of talent on that team. And as you said, you're fortunate enough to get called back to World Juniors after leaving USA Hockey. But you win bronze that year. Um, and, and what was that like for you? What was the bronze medal game and just the tournament as a whole? Yeah, it was, uh, it was a good tournament. I mean, it's, it's tough to go to those tournaments. Like it's, uh, you know, you're throwing a bunch of guys together who really haven't played much together other than, you know, guys who played at NTDP. Um, so it's really tough to find line combinations, um, in a short time for a big tournament, you know? So I think that's kind of what we struggled with was just finding our chemistry and finding our lines. And, uh, I mean, we had a good team. We just couldn't find it and put it together, uh, well. Um, but I mean, like I said, we had a really good team. It was, it was really fun. And that bronze medal game was a, was a good one. Um, the semi or the, we played Sweden, I think, if I remember correctly, and that's who we lost to. Um, that game was a really um, kind of devastating game because, you know, everyone wants to win gold, so that one sucked, but it happens. And then I think we played who, – who did we play in the bronze game? Finland? Yeah. Is that – yeah, that might Russia. be Finland. I have no idea. I'm just throwing names out there. <laughs> I, I, it might have been <laughs> Finland, I think. I I, I don't remember. That's actually bad, but I don't remember. But. <laughs> oh man. Hey, was that, that might've been the year. Was that the year the guy chucked the gold medal over the glass? Yeah. That, that yeah. Year? The silver. <laughs> silver. Yeah. He chucked yeah. this. Yeah. That was, yeah, uh, Lyons, you know, that was hilarious. Plays, yeah. He plays in LA now. Yeah. You could heckle him about that a bit. Close rivalry matches there, but uh, was there anything like any moment or any kind of funny thing that happened in that tournament that kind of stuck out for you? I mean, maybe not if you can't even remember who you're playing in the bronze medal game. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, we had a we had a lot of good guys on that team. I was close with uh, Logan Brown, Yamamoto, and Middlestat. So we were all playing cards together like every day. This game called Do Rock. It's like a Russian game or something. I don't know. They taught me when I was there, and then we played it like every day. And we would get in, like, fights in these hotel rooms over this game. So that's, like, all I remember almost from the whole tournament was just us, like, getting in fights over this card game. <laughs> that's, that's, that's funny. True. That's funny. Yeah, I mean, and then you head into your first first full year pro. You're up and down with Anaheim and San Diego. So 
like, you know, at Anaheim Ducks camp there, what's going through your head? Like, you know, you might make the team, you might not. What are you kind of being told and how did that kind of go for you? So my, my first year, I, I, uh, leading into my pro, my first pro year, I got hurt at development camp in the middle of summer, broke my hand. Um, so I was out like the rest of the summer, just straight legs. And it was like kind of devastating, you know, like, damn, I'm going to my first pro year, try to make the team on a camp and, and, you know, I get hurt. So I was like, this sucks, but you know, it's like, whatever, I gotta just keep grinding and try to get back and, and back healthy and then just work my way back. So, um, a lot of guys got to play right at the start because of injuries. So, um, I missed out on that opportunity to, for opening night and everything. So then I got healed up, played my, played 30 games down in San Diego. Um, and then, uh, got called up, uh, for the rest of the year or I played 40, I think. I played like half the year and then got called up to Anaheim for the rest of the year. And then um, after that, I just, we got sent down me and like Terry Steele and guys like that. We got sent back down to go play playoffs in San Diego. So that was a good year. Good first year. Like I had to grind through that injury. So. Yeah. How, how did it go down when you found out you're getting to play your, like you get the call up and then you get, you're told you get to play in a game, like take us through all of that. Yeah, it was crazy, man. I I remember um, just getting the call. I was sitting on my couch. We, me and Mahura and Steele lived in a Pacific beach, um, just in this little shack, pretty much. It was hilarious, but I got the call just from the general manager of the team in San Diego. And I was like shaking, man. I was like, Oh my God, like they're calling me up. Like that means, you know, most likely I'm going to play. They're not just going to call me up to sit me, you know? So I uh, called my dad right away. I called my mom. Like it was, yeah, it was, it was really surreal. And then I realized I had to just pack everything and get going because the next morning I was leaving and um, flew to Minnesota it was for my game. It was the first game. So I got in the night before at a dinner right there at the hotel right in the St. Paul uh, hotel. And then, yeah, that, that first game was crazy going out for the rookie lap and, you know, just hopping over for my first shift, like, just felt so surreal, man. I remember it. Like, I'll never forget it. The boys let you go no bucket in warm-ups or? No, usually they steal your bucket. Like, we stole a couple of guys this year and last year, but they didn't take mine. I just kind of went out and, you know, just went about my business. That's funny. So. I kind of wish they would have, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah honestly, that's good. that's more clout picks. Like, we were talking 100%, about. 100%, man. It's good style. Yeah. You put that first first show game with the Bills Moff, it's not like, I, like you can't beat that combo of pictures no, right there. 100%, man. It's unheard of. Yeah, no, elite insta game with that. But, I mean, well, quickly just about Mahura and Steele. I mean, those guys, they, they played junior together, right? Like, I'm pretty they, – they must have been boys. Yeah, they're in Regina together. So, what, what was living with those guys? I mean, Steele is, like, a known, like, great-looking dude. How is he, like – he's probably going out, you know, having a good time. Yeah, he's 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 had a girlfriend, man, for like six oh. years. So now Raskin's um, just trying to get his number, and then he's going to text him later. Yeah, on him. Yeah, I can get it to you, Rask, if you want him. I got <laughs> him on the pod, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's uh, him and Muzzer. Muzz is hilarious. He's he's single, so he's just he's cra- he's just crazy, man. This guy is so funny. Like he's ridiculous. Um, we gotta get him then. <laughs> yeah, Muzz, he, he would love – yeah, he's he's hilarious, man. So, he uh, – I live with both those guys. I actually live with them uh, 
this past season too, because um, this uncertainty of the season. So we all just grabbed a place together right by our practice facility. Um, but it was good, man. Like we had a lot of fun. San Diego, we weren't old enough to go out and drink yet. So I'm glad that halfway through the year, uh, I turned 21 and then Steeler turned 21 in January, I think, or start of February. So it was kind of both of us in a month. And then, yeah, after that, it was a lot of good times uh, with the team and shit like that. It, so those guys are real good guys to be around. They were, they were fun. Yeah. Yeah. And just quickly, like talking about Anaheim again, um, you know, you mentioned you get the call up and all that. How long did it take you to get your first NHL goal and which goalie did you score it on? Oh, man, it took me so long. I think it took me 15 games, maybe. I think it took me 15 games. I was just so pissed, man. Like, just grinding. It sucked. But uh, it took me 15 games, I think. And then uh, I scored on uh, Carey Price. No Ew. way. How did it go yeah. down? Like, what was the goal like? Uh, it was pretty nice. Like, I, I, I kind of went end to end. So, um, I just got the puck out of the D zone. It was, it was the eighth goal of the game, though. That was the thing. It was like – but it was whatever. I'll I'll take it, man. Like – Soak that one for sure, especially on price. I won't have to tell people how many goals were scored in the game. Just, just tell me scored on him. But um, got a puck in the D zone, and then just there was a minute left in the game, and I just skated literally through kind of like up the wall and like held a guy off, and then got into the middle of the ice. I towed it in and then pushed it back out and just took like a half clapper and just beat him on his uh longer Ooh. side. Yeah. Okay. Maybe, maybe it's a good thing you didn't catch him in the form he's in right now because maybe, maybe it would have been a stop. Oh, no, that, the way he's playing right now. Would have been just, a routine, routine save. Now he's he's just going sick almost, but your shot's too hard. Like it, it's just unbeatable there, and you just, you blow it by him. So thanks for that one, Carrie. <laughs> have a day, bud. Um, but uh, just kind of more stuff with Anaheim. Like you become an established NHL player this year and you like really solidify yourself in the lineup every night and like find your role on that team. And what, what was that like for you? Just like knowing you're, you're here to stay, you're, you're doing these things. Like that's your role. Yeah, it's good, man. It's uh it's a good feeling. Um, I know that end of last year, I had really good exit meetings and I knew that um, this season was going to be, you know, I was going to be kind of just a regular um, in the lineup. So I, I kind of took my uh, mentality a lot better just with, you know, confidence on the ice and just knowing that um, each and every night where I'm going to be playing and where I'm going to be staying. So um, it makes life a lot easier on a guy like that when you're kind of up and down and you don't know what's going on. And then they finally tell you, like, you're here and this is what you're going to do. So um, the year was really good. I mean, obviously our team, you know, struggled a lot. I mean, very heavily. And it's uh, – all season long, we were grinding as a team. So um, we, we got a lot to fix and stuff. But uh, personally, it just kind of felt like a good year. Felt, uh, you know, felt good. I felt like I took a step to, you know, know what I got to be and know what I got to play like. Yeah, exactly. And going, talking about that year, it was a bit of a struggle for the team and everything, but it was a struggle for like the whole world with COVID and everything going on. So what what was a COVID year like for you? I know we talked to Stromer a little bit and he said it was kind of life as normal once it was like double vaccine and everything. But like in your point of view, what was going on in Anaheim in that sense? Yeah, man, it was just boring, really. Like it was real boring. We just sat in our houses all day. And then on the road, we sat in the hotel and was trying to find, you know, time to do something or go for a walk. I mean, I was, we were fortunate enough to have like a basketball hoop and a pool and stuff in our neighborhood. So, so we could go to and um, be able to do stuff. But um, on the road, it was just a lot of team bonding, like 
we had our own player lounges. So we got to play video games down there with everyone, ping pong, you know, play cards, whatever, a couple glasses of wine after a game, like stuff like that. But other than that, it, it was, it was boring. It was tough. And, you know, I think people with families too, like their kids and stuff had to, you know, couldn't do as much or, you know, wives, girlfriends, not, not allowed to go out as much, like certain stuff like that. It was, it was tough. Um, but for me, I think it was, it's pretty easy. I have to live with Muzz and Steelers. So. Yeah. I mean, when you're, when you're living with your boys, it makes it a lot better, but like say per se in a regular year. So maybe your first two years or like the start of your second year and your first year and stuff like that. Um, what's it like living in Anaheim and like San Diego, just as like a, as a whole, like how often you go to the beach, like just shooting hoops, you're just hitting the pool. It must be nice to be able to know like it's January and you can just go down to the pool rather than being in Buffalo and being in six feet of snow. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, like I said, man, I was pretty fortunate to have all that. Like it's, it, it could have been, it could have been a lot worse, you know, like, like you said, Buffalo, out east, somewhere like that, a lot of snow and you really can't leave your house, you know? So it was nice. I mean, just being in Anaheim, it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's so nice, man. It's like every day I'm walking to the, the rink and flip-flops and shorts. So it's, mm-hmm. it's each and every day. And then, I mean, this year I only had to see snow, I think one time in Colorado, Minnesota, maybe. And that was it. So, I, I mean, it's super nice. It was a really nice year, but I can't like, I can't even go to the snow now without getting a cold, man. It's bad. Well, maybe, yeah. maybe it's a blessing in disguise that uh, Winnipeg didn't trade up and take you that day because it would have been a yeah. opposite. Yeah, yeah dude. Maybe. And I've changed you. hundred <laughs> um, percent. You're, you're at the end of your contract, your entry level contract now, right? Yeah. So What's that like for you this summer? I imagine kind of contract talks underway now. Yeah, I don't, uh, I've had a lot of meetings with my agent, um, just kind of talking to him what we're going to go with and what we're going to, you know, try to negotiate with. And then uh, after that, it's kind of all on Anaheim to kind of reach out and, you know, start the, the talks. So where I don't think we're there yet, um, I think there's going to be a little bit longer because, you know, obviously we got the expansion draft this summer. So I think things are going to be a little bit more delayed. Um, yeah. just what my agent's saying and stuff. So we're going to, I don't know. I mean, I got some time now, but I'm just going to go about my business as usual. Uh, just train like I normally do and just go about my, my business as usual. Like I said. Yeah. I guess if you're not signed, they don't, they don't have to protect you. So it's kind of better. They sign you after the expansion draft, I think. Right? No, they still got to protect me because I'm a uh, UFA. Oh, oh yeah. 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 I okay. played like 140 games or something. So I think I'm, I'm like over that limit. So they still got to protect me. Okay. Fair enough. Well, uh, what, what kind of things do you like to kind of ball out with your money? Do you like to invest? Like, what, what are you kind of like with your money? Um, my start, like when I first signed and everything, when I was back in the O, I kind of, I got myself a car cause I never had one. So I got myself a nice like Jeep Rubicon, like lifted and everything. So that I like to, you know, I was spending money a little bit, you know, a lot more than saving it when I signed when I was back in juniors, um, you know, buying like, you know, Louis bags and shoes and stuff. <laughs> Um, that was, yeah, that was my, my first, you know, signing. That's what I did. Um, kind of treated myself, I guess. And then, uh, but yeah, now I'm, I got a financial guy and I invest money, but I mean, I still take care of, you know, myself and try to treat myself. Okay. Well, so yeah, you mentioned having a finance guy, but I'll tell you the best finance people are our partners at Gavin hockey, well specialist, and they believe that your goals matter. After hundreds of early morning practices and countless hours on the ice or in the gym, you truly earned your success and you deserve to enjoy it. For over 20 years, the team at Gavin has assisted professional hockey players with setting goals 
more importantly, providing them with a game plan to achieve them. Whether it's a house, a car, a cottage, or even supporting your family, it's all within reach when you partner with a pro and you can check them out at gavingroup.ca. Yeah. I mean, with that being said, um, we talk about it every week. Thanks to fans for sending in a bunch of questions again. It was a bit of short notice too, because Raskin was sleeping and didn't get the fan question posts out, but the fans came strong, came strong with all, with all the posts. So, uh, we're going to go through uh, what the fans want to hear from you, Jonesy. So first, as we always go with stick specs. Uh, I, I use a Bauer now. I just um, switched over from CCM to Bauer this this year. So I'm using a Bauer, uh, was it Supreme? I think it's the Supreme one. It's a new one. I don't know. Um, 95 Flex. Uh, it's like a P90 type of blade. Okay. Yeah, that's the same as me. Um, what's your favorite off-season activity? golfing and then probably you know probably video games okay wait 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 wait. what <laughs> that's my area cards you know what, what video games are you playing uh i played a lot of warzone this year I, like i play everything man like i'm like i'm like as gamer as it comes like i play you know like halo from nba 2k to call of duty warzone from fortnite to like anything man like assassin's creed like i play everything so but i've been playing a lot of warzone lately with all, like all the guys did you grind the new Fortnite season that came out today? Yeah. No, I man, that's the thing is I haven't played Fortnite in so long. Ever since they um, they added in, they add in, they added in like tribal shot uh, shotguns. Yeah, the primal and, weapons. Primal, yeah, primal weapons, and then I think they had a, yeah like bounties and stuff. Like I I haven't played since then, like long time. Like okay, before all that. There's no coming yeah. back now, man. Yeah, we used to play right. it so much too. We used to play it so much. Me, Fowler, Manson, like Gibson too. I mean, Gibby still plays, um, and so does Manson Fowler. But they, we just don't play Fortnite anymore. It's it's hilarious. And uh, you, you actually, I'm going to give a quick shout out to Dicer for hooking us up with Jonesy today. So shout out to Dicer because he said he played video games with you. So that reminded me. But now Rask, like Fortnite's for nerds, so you're the only one doing that anymore. Um, next question is, uh, what's Trevor Zegers like? Oh, he's funny, man. He's, he's just, he's an idiot. It's like, he's so funny. Like he's a, he spent, he spent a lot of time with us. Me, Muzz and Sealer, like over at our house, he lived down the street. So like, he'd come over all the time, like after games and stuff, he'd come over, we'd, you know, eat and, you know, watch like whatever uh, movie or something, play video games together. Like it was, yeah, we, we spent a lot of time and I think me and him are pretty close. So it's, he's, he's, like I said, though, he's just uh He's, he's a different breed. <laughs> Good way to describe it. All right. Hey, Cards, he's, we, we talked about this. Cards and I were answering fan questions months ago, and one of them was like, if you could punch any NHL player in the face, who would it be? Mine was Zegris, remember? Yeah, yeah. Actually, you wanted to punch him in the face because he lit Canada up at the World Juniors, and it was like legit the day after, and you were so butthurt about it. So, so <laughs> Rask wants to sucker Zegris. I, I can you. hook you up. I'll hook you yeah. up. <laughs> maybe we could set up a boxing match it'll be better than uh paul versus mayweather raskin versus uh zegris so we'll yeah, I yeah. Hugging him at least. i'll take a I draw some views. yeah um funniest guy on the team nick delorier 100 percent he, he is easy. easily the fun like this guy is so funny that he'll just walk into the room and i'll start laughing that's just at the, at the point it's been for me like i i can't even like it's so hard to explain like he's the funniest guy I've ever met. I love that. I, I know what you mean by guys just walk in and you just start cracking up. That's just the you, way Carter. Like, 
That was you and Barry. Yeah, though I was like that and Barry. I guess the boys would get a crack about the few things I'd say, but I mean, not gonna give myself any credit for being too funny. Come on. Um pre pre-game meal. Uh we go to a I mean it's always the same, but like at home we go to this place called Barolo. It's uh it's been a place. I think Korea, Paul Korea and Solani were the first two who found this place over like twenty-five years ago, something like that, like whatever crazy it was. So that's where we go. A lot of the guys go unless they do it on their own at home. Um, we go there. It's like an Italian place, a little hole in the wall. This guy's name is Giuseppe. He's a beauty. She cooks up pasta, prosciutto bread, like all the, and then you get the vodka sauce with the Alfredo and whatever you want. So that's our at home. And then on the road, it's, I just go with the, because we have a buffet and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I just make my salad. I'll make a salad first. And then I go chicken, broccoli, pasta, and uh, with a little bit of, Alfredo and Marinara. So this guy knows how to eat, Rask. Big boy. Oh, Here man, it must be nice, bro. NHL, <laughs> um, sign me up. Oh, man, the Never Hungry League. Yeah. <laughs> I love Compared that. Compared to the always, I mean. Yeah, you, yeah. You, oh, yeah. Big difference, man. You got your own private jets with food and just in your face all the time. And then you go to the minors and you don't even get breakfast served anymore. So. <laughs> That's hilarious. And uh, we have one last funny question here. And uh, – so many people asked it, and it, it's a topic that flies around a lot with Lundo guys coming from the States. So the people say, how much were you being paid to play in Lundo? <laughs> I knew that was coming, but I, I got no comment on that one. <laughs> uh, Lundo's not paying anyone. We're not throwing them under the bus or anything like that. But uh, no, I think I think that pretty much does it for the fan questions. Um I know our sponsors at Axel Watches are going to be hooking you up with a uh, watch of your choice. So after Zoom, I can send you the link. You can pick out your watch, let us know, and we'll get that one down to you so you can be looking good walking into the rink next year wearing that. Um, we'll get, no, we'll get good guy engraved in the bottom or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right on the, the face of it. Good guy. <laughs> Just – yeah, just so the people know that he's a class act, which which he is, and we're vouching for him now, eh, Rask? 100%. Absolutely. I'll, I'll be pumping your name, telling everyone how great you are. But um, yeah, no, we, we do thank you great for coming on the podcast. I know our listeners appreciate it. I appreciate it. I mean, uh, just, you know, enjoy the off season and, and best luck with your contract and all that. We'll be looking out for you uh, as the season gets going. So thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, man. Thank you guys. I'll, I'll keep my tabs on you guys too. I'll be pumping you guys' tires uh, as you're coming through. So uh, just keep it up. All right, fellas. For sure. Thanks, Jonesy. All right. I want to thank Max Jones for that. Good guy. What do you think of that interview cards? Yeah, the best guy ever. Um, as we said, no, he was he was a really good guy. Super easy to work with. Came on the pod, like just a down to earth guy and really give him a lot of credit for coming on. I really appreciate it as you do too. And uh, hoping to get a few more ducks on in the future, as he said, he might be able to hook us up. So that would be awesome. Um, but no, it was, it was a good interview. A lot of good insight. Pretty cool to hear from a guy who played at the program and then came to Lundo like, as we've seen a lot of guys, but we haven't heard an actual story about it. And he played on such a historic team and now he's, he's making his mark in the show. So it's pretty cool to see him move up the ranks. But uh, with that being said, I want to kind of talk about something that happened in the PGA tour this weekend. I don't know if you watched, but did you see the John Rahm incident? No. Okay. So I'll fill you in and I'll fill the listeners who didn't watch in. So COVID has been very good. And, um, Oh, I did. Sorry, I do. I didn't see okay. it, but I heard about it. But let's tell the okay. listeners anyway. 
Yeah. So in the PGA tour, it's been very good. Like no, no traces of like COVID cases, like spreading throughout the tour or whatever. Um, And so John Rahm is shooting his career best. He just finished his career best round in strokes gained and taken this guy's like second or third in the world. So he's a player and uh, he just set the 54 hole scoring record. So he has a six shot lead at Jack Nicholas's course. Just so it's a, it's a huge tournament and he has a sh- six shot lead going into Sunday. Sure enough, he tests positive for COVID-19 on Saturday afternoon and he's forced to withdraw from the tournament with a six shot lead. So that's just devastating news. I don't know. What, what would you do? Like, obviously you have to withdraw, like it's, it's inevitable and everything, but like that would just be devastating. No. Well, well, yeah. One it's as a competitor to have to withdraw when you're winning like that, but two, that's like a million dollar payday. You also lose um, 1.6. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so that's that's just insane. But the weird thing was like that they they did it on camera, like in front of everyone. I don't know why they did that publicly. It was so weird. I I didn't watch it, but I saw the clip on Twitter. Another another thing about it was two guys came over to him without masks on. I don't think and told him. Yeah, they walked right up to him. Yeah, and they start patting him on the back. I'm like, you don't like that. Doesn't make much sense. Like this guy has COVID. Um, put a mask on him. Get him away from the fans. Like it's a bit absurd to me, but. It seems like they haven't had any problems with COVID since then. So kudos to the tour. They're doing a great job on that. But thought I'd reference that. Tough one for Romer. Would have been nice to see him win that one as he was playing so good. But Who won? Golf. Golf. Say uh, uh, Patrick Cantley won in a, uh, in a playoff over Morikawa. And it, it, the field was filled with sick players. And uh, just just to see some high-caliber golf. It was, it, was a, it was a fun tournament to watch. So... We got the U.S. Open coming up in uh, two weeks, so we'll keep our eye on that one too. I'll be watching that. How did how did my boy Will Zalatoris do? I don't know, honestly. I I wasn't keeping a close eye. I just kind of followed the Rom incident and then followed the top of the leaderboard. But okay. yeah, he's always in the mix. But we gotta get we'll Will on the pod. The U.S. Open. Yeah, we'll get him on the pod easy. <laughs> yeah, we hey, we should have got him before the Masters. This guy had like fifteen hundred followers on uh, Instagram, like not verified, and then. Two weeks after, 150,000 verified, like all that. Just life-changing weekend for him. But we missed yeah, our window. He's a marketing king, so we, we could have used him. But, you know, we're doing all right for ourselves. But I think that that pretty much does it for me. I got nothing else to talk about. We've we've had a great interview. Uh, talked about a lot of great stuff this interview. And I, I'm super excited um, for the fans to hear this one, as they already have, I guess. But uh, looking forward to it on Wednesday. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we're rooting for the Habs. They're obviously going to win. So uh, I'm just excited for my prediction to uh, come true once again. That'll We'll see how that plays out. And we'll see if we're cursed, or I'm cursed at least. I, I guess this will be if we find out in the next round. But do you want to take uh, take it away with the usual outro? Yeah, no, I'll, I'll clean it up nice this week. Uh, just really appreciate yeah, no it. No weather reports this week. What the yeah, hell is no, that? no weather. Well, I might need a little weather report. We got the patios opening and... Uh, stuff opening in Ontario this week, a Friday. So super exciting for everyone in Ontario. It's a big time. Vaccines are going well. Um, we're on the up and up as a, uh, as a province as a whole. So I'm super excited. I know Rask is too. And we want everyone to stay safe, have fun, and uh, enjoy their weekend. So have a great week, guys.